Hi, I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. On Monday afternoon, a court granted a temporary injunction to stop the incessant honking in downtown Ottawa. The injunction is part of a proposed multi-million dollar class action lawsuit started by a 21-year-old resident of the city. Ottawa Mayor Jim Watson said the honking horns were one of the hardest things that people living downtown have had to put up with. These acts and the occupation are having damaging and long-term impacts on the well-being and health of our residents. People are living in fear and are terrified, and they've now been subjected to the non-stop honking of large trucks for nine days, which is tantamount to psychological warfare. They have harassed and spat on grocery clerks for simply asking them to wear a mask. As of Monday night, the question is, will this injunction work? And will it send the protesters home? It's been more than 10 days now since trucks and protesters took over downtown Ottawa. And the movement spurred other protests around the country this past weekend against vaccine mandates and COVID restrictions. But those protests didn't lead to the kind of occupation that's still happening in the capital. Police say they've arrested 20 people and given 500 tickets to protesters since Friday. And the city has asked the provincial and federal governments for 1,800 more officers and civilian personnel. But the police force has also faced criticism for how they've handled this. Most weekends, there's a protest here. Residents are are used to it. But what they're not used to is the protesters, you know, really seeping into their neighborhood and, you know, having people without masks overwhelm grocery stores and shut down businesses and have sort of this aggressive behavior about their position on, on masking and mandates and that sort of thing. Globe reporter Janice Dixon lives in Ottawa, and she's here to help us understand what it's been like downtown and how the police have responded. This is The Decibel. Janice, it's great to see you again. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Great to see you, too. It's been a few crazy days there, so I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, it's um, been <laughs> really wild, to say the least. So we're talking Monday afternoon, and this story changes every day. So there's there's probably a lot that's going on still. But you've been watching the situation in Ottawa um, unfold over the last you know week and a half now, really. What was this past weekend like? I think it is important for people who are tuning in to sort of get an appreciation for the fact that this demonstration has extended past Parliament Hill. I think a lot of footage that we're seeing on the news right now is, you know, in front of the Peace Tower, which is where they have, you know, a stage set up and there's bands. And, you know, Saturday morning I walked up there and there was a band playing and thousands of of people sort of congregated there. But it really has seeped into the streets. Um, And so all of the trucks are blocking or were blocking major intersections and into these residential neighborhoods where they're laying on their horns at all hours. 
Yeah, so this is like the the level of noise that we're talking about is is pretty extreme. I'm in Ottawa as well, and and um, just walking around downtown on the weekend, like there's there was also people just kind of drinking on the sidewalk in Centertown, openly drinking. As you said, this is in a residential area, so I guess how is this really affecting people who are living down there? I think a lot of people are nervous to go outside. Um, they're you know feeling trapped in their homes, um, particularly, you know, vulnerable people and seniors. I walked over to Kent Street, another street that's completely overtaken by trucks. And I noticed a few signs in the windows over there that say, you know, I have children here, please be quiet. Another um, house has a sign in the window that says like, honk if you're afraid of a small needle. And then there's more <laughs> uh, signs underneath it that says, you know, by the way, I have earplugs in and I don't care what you're afraid of. Um, and I saw protesters like slowly walk by this house and they're looking in the window. Yeah, I think people are feeling pretty afraid. We've also heard a really disturbing report about two men trying to start a, a fire in the lobby of a, a downtown apartment building. Yesterday, we learned of, of a horrific story that clearly demonstrates the malicious intent of these protesters occupying our city. At 5 a.m., and this was captured on the building's video, on Sunday morning, two young men entered the lobby of the building on Lisger Street, where they proceeded to light fire starter bricks near the elevators before taping up the door handles so residents would struggle to get out during a fire. Thankfully, no one was hurt, but this story could have ended very, very differently. It's extremely Can you just tell us a bit about that? Yeah, I, um, I saw um, a Twitter thread about that. It was a really disturbing thread to read. And uh, the guy who posted this on Twitter has screenshots of um, their video surveillance. And uh, police have said that they're investigating. How do we know that they were protesters? So a resident had tweeted that um, that a tenant in the building had asked them and they said that they were part of the protest. Uh, So on Sunday, um, Ottawa Mayor Jim Watson declared a state of emergency in the city. Can you just help us understand what does that actually mean? Yeah, so um, he said, uh, Jim Watson said that the declaration would allow Uh, more flexibility for the city and businesses to provide essential services for residents and more easily procure equipment required by uh, frontline workers and first responders. How that actually plays out on the streets, I think, is sort of yet to be seen. But at the moment, uh, the police are definitely ramping up their enforcement efforts. Yeah, this weekend they said that they were actually going to add more officers, make sure they're out and visible. Did that seem to to change anything um, that that took place this weekend? From what I could see uh, Friday into Sunday morning, it hadn't changed a whole lot. Um, We saw the fireworks. We saw people partying. We saw the trucks not budging. Um, On Friday, I walked over to Confederation Park and talked to some protesters that had Um, set up like a little wooden house there and they were planning to use it for a kitchen or something. They weren't entirely sure. They had like a whole encampment over there. And then as the weekend went on, uh, there were changes that you could start to see sort of set into motion. Um, I'd say particularly on Sunday, we did see that encampment dismantled in Confederation Park. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I did see a car parked on the street with a ticket, which was like the first time I had seen um, a parking ticket actually issued. So I think that, uh, that things are moving along. Yeah. So I guess there's a, there's a few things happening here. So it sounds like so we've got this state of emergency, which does seem kind of vague and, and might not have a lot of, I guess it might have some impact, but it does seem like a kind of vague declaration there right now. Um, a lot of people downtown have been dealing with this horn honking, the the fireworks. So there's a lawsuit now. And then the, the police chief, as you mentioned, Peter Slowly, he did hold a press conference on Monday because the police have been criticized about their, their handling of things. What did Slowly say on Monday about the force's response to everything? He compared last weekend, which had greater numbers, uh, to this weekend. Last weekend, last Saturday, which was really the, the peak of the protest, he said there were 3,000 trucks and between 10 to 15,000 protesters. This past weekend, there were 1,000 trucks and 5,000 protesters. So he was saying that this was a um, direct reaction to his stepped-up enforcement he said that they are going after the funding. Um, so, you know, we know that the GoFundMe is refunding that $10 million that um, that the organizers of this protest have raised um, and that police are actively trying to go after other funding that these people might be getting um, one way or another. He also mentioned that last night there was a major operation where thousands of liters of propane and fuel uh, were confiscated from protesters. They took out an oil tanker, um, and they also took away protesters' hot tubs and saunas. Uh, so saunas the, and hot tubs. Okay. Yeah, that's a what a kicker. Um, but this was at, so they were uh, re- they were really setting up shop kind of thing there. Like there was a lot going on. The, oh yeah, yeah. And this was out on Coventry Road, so you know, away from the city where these protesters had sort of set up an HQ is my understanding or, or one of maybe a couple, but they had a big um, setup out there and uh, police had gone through it last night and had confiscated a lot of their fuel and supplies. I think a lot of people in Ottawa um, were frankly flabbergasted to see images of stockpiles um, like propane tanks and diesel fuel First in Confederation Park, um, as, you, as you mentioned before, which is right downtown, fairly close to the Parliament buildings, and then also to hear of the stockpile at, at this staging area there. I mean, that seems like it has the potential to be kind of dangerous. Did Slowly say anything on Monday in his remarks about why the police hadn't acted sooner? Um, he was asked, you know, why did it take 10 days to finally start confiscating fuel? And his reaction initially was... Um, you know, a bit defensive. But then he said, you know, um, they didn't have the resources earlier to be able to do this. Now, at the same time that he's saying that they're confiscating fuel, there are videos of protesters on Wellington Street with jerry cans walking right by Ottawa police vehicles, refueling (laughs) trucks. Uh, You know, I talked to a few experts last week, um, like a criminologist uh, and a professor who were talking about how Police strategy with protests is typically to hang back and wait, wait till a lot of protesters clear out in these really big demonstrations, and that it's possible that was maybe the strategy at the beginning, but then the protesters, you know, uh, compared to other protests, they they just didn't leave, you know, they just really hunkered down and stayed.
In contrast to what's gone on in in Ottawa, uh, we did see protests in in other major cities across the country this past weekend. Um, Vancouver, Toronto, Winnipeg. And protesters there didn't manage to to set up shop like they have in Ottawa. What did other cities do differently? Like, why is Ottawa in this situation uh, when, when other cities have managed to avoid it? I mean, I think that's the question everyone's asking right now. It is really strange to see this sort of protest happen in other cities, but it happens and then the protesters go home. The difference is that here they're not going anywhere. You know, Chief Slowly had said before this even began that it was possible that this protest would go on longer than you would anticipate, and he didn't know when it would end. And so I don't know why... They didn't plan for it differently at the time. If they knew that was the case, if they knew it was going to be a sustained protest. The other thing a police officer, um, Deputy Chief Steve Bell mentioned on Friday was that, you know, perhaps a mistake they made was not, you know, sending police into the neighborhood sooner. Um, because, you know, Ottawa is used to protests, um, you know, most weekends, there's a protest here. Residents are are used to it. But what they're not used to is the protesters, you know, really seeping into their neighborhood and, you know, having people without masks overwhelm grocery stores and shut down businesses and have sort of this aggressive behavior about their position on on masking and mandates and that sort of thing. So I think, I mean, there will definitely be a lot of lessons learned after this, but it seems like one of the really significant mistakes that they made was underestimating maybe how long these people would stay and then what would happen as as they did stay. And, you know, I talked to this uh, professor who was talking to me about how the longer people spend in this sort of doing risky behavior together, the more they're willing to push the limits together. You know, you might see them on Wellington Street playing ball hockey or setting up a bouncy castle, uh, which is already illegal. And then if the police come and try and tear them down, you know, they might have been strangers the day before. But now they've got this relationship and they're, they've got this confidence that they're doing something that's, you know, that they believe in and that they're OK to to fight back. And now you've got people that have been here for a week that are sort of involved in this thing. And that's for them very exciting. And they're really trying to hold on to it. You've mentioned that this this protest is different because, one, it's gone on for a long time, but also these protesters are in the neighborhood. It's not just on Parliament Hill. How do residents of that downtown core of Ottawa, how do they feel about how the police have handled things? Um, obviously, we can't generalize everyone together, but from the people you've talked to, from the things that you've heard, Janice, how are people in Ottawa feeling about the police response? They're incredibly frustrated. I've heard abandoned several times. You know, I think they're looking to the police force to um, protect them and protect their neighborhoods. And, you know, they they don't want to walk outside and see, um, you know, an ambulance struggle to get through or see offensive signs, you know, laden with swear words and some overtly hateful. Um, I think they're feeling really uneasy and they want to see um, these people go home. And they so they want to see the police act and get them out of here. There have been lots of discussions, of course, in recent years about the role of police uh, who feels threatened by the police or unprotected by the police. 
from what we're hearing in, in Ottawa uh, in, over the last few days, I guess, is there a similar feeling, a wider spread feeling of people not feeling protected by the police, by the people that are supposed to be protecting them? I think Ottawa residents are wondering why police were quick to act in so many other circumstances in the past where protesters were possibly congregating downtown or away from the hill. And that in this case, I mean, for the past week, there has been really little action. Um, Now they say that that's going to change. So I think everyone is really hoping that's the case. The fact that police are not acting quickly or as decisively this time around, what are people, I guess, taking away from that? I mean, one change that I've seen in businesses is that I think some have given up enforcing mask rules, for instance, because they feel that it's not worth the confrontation. It is a strange dynamic where I think, you know, residents just start trying to think swiftly. It's almost like survival mode, like, okay, these people are here, the police aren't doing anything about it. What can we do to sort of try and keep the peace on our end, uh, what can we do about this? But I, I mean, in terms of like the policing question, yeah, I mean, I've seen just a lot of frustration and confusion over their response. There's been talk of needing the army to come in. Is this an, an option that is currently on the table of being considered? It's not on the table at the moment. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was asked about this last week. He said that he didn't receive any formal requests um, from the province. The province has to initiate that action by asking the prime minister. And he said that he didn't get any calls for that. So I I don't think it's going to happen at this point. Do we have a sense of how this could come to an end? Like, how uh, is Ottawa going to get these these trucks and protesters, but these trucks really uh, out, out of the city? The Ottawa police have said that they try to negotiate first, but that they are ticketing, they are seizing vehicles, they're seizing fuel, and of course they're trying to cut off their funding too. So all of these elements are going to make it difficult for people to stay. Now, there are vehicles around downtown without their wheels on, you know, they're really determined to stay put, Um, but it sounds like the police are going to try and do everything they can to get them out. Janice, thank you so much for taking time to to speak with us today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Our producers are Madeline White and Cheryl Sutherland. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening and I'll talk to you tomorrow.